0: hello friends welcome back to the podcast this week we have on sam trapkin you might know him from sos diamond or trap on rice all amazing bands i love sos the ep they put out was amazing i still hope one day i'll be able to catch it live I i think that'd be really awesome to see those guys come together and play a live set it'd just be super sick to see live I miss diamond so much. I still listen to don't lose your cool. That record front to back is perfect. I was really bummed when I just kind of realized like, Hey, diamond hasn't done anything for a while. They just kind of slowly faded away. And obviously music moves so fast. uh, People just tend to forget and they just move on because there's new music coming out left and right. So when I kind of realized, Oh shit, diamond hasn't put out a, a record since 2015 they're basically done. There's no way they're just going to randomly pop up five years later and try to be a band again. So when I thought about that and realized that they just kind of quietly faded away, it was just a bummer because I had a lot of high hopes for that band. They went on that tour with super heaven and Roswell kid. And I thought that tour was just perfect for them. And I just wish I could have seen them more and trapped under ice, legendary band Shout out Baltimore, DC. I love everything they've ever put out. But I think my favorite record is Secrets of the World. Just the timing, it came out in 2009. It was just like a really important time in my life. I was, had, I had the idea that that's when like the idea spawned for me to finally move away from home. And that was just like a, just such a big deal for me because I, I moved away and I never went back. And it's just crazy to think about that period in my life. And I just think that record is just really important to me. It's my favorite record that they put out. And it's just seriously amazing front to back. I just love everything about it. The wordplay, just the the guitars, everything. It's such a sick record. But shout out to Big Kids Goodnight. Shout out to Heat Wave. All amazing stuff. I think that band can do no wrong. So I fully support them. And I'm looking forward to new music. And I seriously had a great time talking to Sam awesome guy and I really hope you guys enjoy this podcast as much as I did so please without further ado welcome Sam Trapkin to the podcast Welcome to the podcast, Sam.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely appreciate you coming on. I'm sure like a lot of people are going to be stoked to hear from you. Um, you've played in a, a lot of awesome bands over the years. Um, but where I want to start is you were in a super band called um, SOS back in the day, and I was just curious, <laughs> like, can you talk about how that band came together and why you guys like basically never did anything with it besides put out that EP?
1: Um. Let's see how it came together. I remember on our first U.S. tour we did with Terror in 2008, I think Scott um, from Terror had been talking to BD from Hatebreed about doing a super band or not. I guess he wasn't calling it a super band, but about doing something with him and some other people. I think Matt from, uh, you know, that was an AF and Madball was also kind of in the mix on that. And I don't know how, but I somehow, you know, got roped into it as well, which, which, was just insane for me at the time you know because i was whatever 23 and all my favorite bands i mean hate for me, literally and you know still is basically my favorite hardcore band ever and i mean matt henderson's legendary and anyways yeah so it kind of just um i think nick from terror and uh matt had actually gotten together and jammed a few times and over the years after that tour it kind of just materialized and um you have to think that it's people though and terror read, two of the most, like, you know, busy touring bands ever. So I think that's why nothing ever happens. You know, like, I I think we all wanted to play a fest or something like that, but it, it was a long shot for everybody involved.
0: Yeah, I was, I was definitely bummed. because so I remember the the EP came out, and I, and I missed out on buying a shirt. And I was like, you know what? I'll just be able to get one whenever I see them live. And I kind of like waited and waited, and I kind of realized, well, you know, what? it's probably never going to happen. So I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll just be happy jamming the e- EP from time to time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that EP. I still I still kind of like we'll listen back every year or so, and be like, man, those, those songs are cool. And and that was just an awesome memory for me. Like, um, we did it. At the same studio in, in Queens that TUI did two records and like Hoya from Madball stopped by and was hanging out like it was, it was quite the group of people to be in the same room and also just recording with people like BD and, and Matt Henderson, who have played on some of my favorite hardcore records is it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I can't even imagine being in a room with those guys, especially like finally, like, you know, like you like playing in a band and, you know, you kind of got to this point where like, wow, now you're actually recording with these guys and like these legendary bands. I, I can't imagine like what that felt like.
1: Yeah, man, unreal. It's cool because just like, you you know what it's like to be in the studio with your own band. and That's kind of your experience and just seeing someone from a totally different, I mean, you know, Matt. I've been recording records probably since the late 80s you know hardcore records and just the way that he went about recording like he stood up the whole time which is i i always sat down when i record and he just stood up and he didn't want to punch in takes you know like he wanted to do the song straight through because i think when he was recording a lot you couldn't really do that easily yet mm-hmm. and uh, i think same with bd like bd wanted to stand up the whole time and i always just you know sit down when i record and I'll, I'll punch as many times as I want. I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter to me. There's no like, you know, purity aspect for, for me on that. So, um, yeah, it was just cool seeing how they did it. And I think like Matt even like counted into one of the songs using his strings, which he does on a Madball song. And it's just like stuff that I would never think to do or know to do on a recording. It was really cool.
0: Hell yeah. Well, Um, maybe at some point i i I don't like you know haven't closed the door completely on seeing sos live i i still you know (laughs) because because people are still around and you know things could happen i feel like it could be one of those bands where all right like let's pull this band out and get kids excited so there's still like hope i
1: think i think you're the only one that hasn't closed the door on that possibility but
0: uh i appreciate that all right um uh, another band uh, that I want to talk about is uh, Diamond, and I, I know you guys had to change your name to Diamond Youth, but like seriously, one of my favorite bands. Like when I first heard you guys, I was like, oh, th- this is like really cool, and I didn't care. And um, I, I hate like you know when bands are sold to me is like you know oh it has like members of this I'm just like no like I don't care like I just want to hear the music. If I enjoy the music, that's awesome. Members, it doesn't matter to me if I I just want to you know listen and see if the music's good, then we can go from there. But when I heard. Diamond, I love that band. Like, I feel like don't awesome. lose your cool. Like, that record is just perfect. Uh, can you talk about how you ended up in a band like that? Thanks,
1: man. Yeah. Um, let's see. We started thinking about doing it um, pretty early on, with with I, still doing a lot of TUI stuff. Like before um, we did Big Kiss Good Night. Like when we were touring a lot prior to that record, and just like doing a couple records with TUI and kind of getting more into songwriting and recording. Like I always listened to all kinds of music, you know, and always really liked bands like Foo Fighters or like Weezer or Jimmy Eat World, like alternative nineties type of rock bands. And at that time, you know, there wasn't to me a lot of newer bands that were, that sounded like that, that I liked. it was kind of a similar thing to why we started T.Y. or like why we did what we did just because there wasn't really a band that sounded like that when we started so i think it kind of came from a similar place and um yeah so when we started you know brendan obviously played drums for T.Y. at that point and uh, my friend justin who sings in diamonds um he was someone that i went to school with and he was like in an indie band and he was really the only friend i had that that could sing well like that and you know his band is like pretty cool and kind of indie-ish and not really down with like the I want to do a straight of like pop rock band you know like that's kind of I think Diamond wasn't really exactly what he would have chosen style-wise but mm-hmm. we like, we talked into it and uh, yeah it took a long time to to wrap that up because I had only ever written songs like hardcore songs and metalcore songs and stuff so I never written anything melodic before and we took our time getting that started. You know, I think we probably wrote for a year or two before we get our first demo in 2010. And, um, yeah. I and mean, then like, after that, it was kind of just like us figuring things out and, um, really trying to write the best songs we could. And yeah, I mean, like, we did all the artwork for the band and the whole thing just kind of was a lot of fun. Like we just really, um, put everything we had into it, you know, and it was just a great outlet for us. So I think people may, you know, look at that and think that it's weird that, you know, we're in this hardcore band that was becoming more popular and touring a lot. And like, why would you do a band that sounded like that? But for us, it wasn't that weird. And I think our group of friends, it always wasn't that weird. You know, like people from Baltimore, I mean, if you look at like justice now doing angel dust or Brennan doing turnstile, like we always were into different types of music and, Thought it wasn't weird at all to make you know different styles of music and um, kind of just feeling the freedom to express you know yourself however you want. And I think that was always kind of in our. Um, that was kind of how we were and yeah. So I, I think that was something that around the time that Big Kiss Goodnight came out with for TBY, like we were kind of doing both bands in parallel for for the rest of uh, the time. So. Kind of writing for both a lot at the same time. I think Don't Leave Your Cool, we re- recorded the same year as Good Kiss, Good Night, 2011. So yeah, we're just writing a lot at that point. And, uh, that's pretty much all I was doing with my life. <laughs> just like I'd work during the day and just write songs at night. And, you know, we'd have tours and whatnot, but that was, that was pretty much it.
0: So I feel like the sound in like, uh, from don't lose your cool. And then going into orange, there was kind of a shift and I felt like you guys went like a little more indie. Is that the direction you guys were um, trying to take after don't lose your cool?
1: Yeah, I think like, I really like don't lose your cool. And I think, um, there's probably a little bit more of like a Jimmy Eat world kind of like poppier rock influence there which I think as you as spent more time growing into the bands um, and especially with Justin, like Justin kind of came from more of a Radiohead-esque background, which, you know, is much less about like poppy choruses and stuff like that. And I think kind of all of us spending more time together as a band, that's just the direction that felt right. You know, it, it went more of like a kind of straight up rock direction, I think with Orange and from there on out. So I guess like indie, yeah, like interchangeable to me with kind of like the, that rock, more of a rock style that we um, started to write. And yeah, it just happened naturally. We still wanted to write good songs and have the songs be catching everything. But yeah, I think stylistically, just like I was listening to a lot of new music at that point. You know, like I, I didn't really have a lot of exposure to some of the bands. Um, you know, like when we first started Diamond, I, my, my scope of bands I was listening to is way more limited. And I think just listening to more and Justin. Introducing to more stuff and kind of writing with him. Yeah, it, it evolved in that direction for
2: sure
0: Yeah, I, I was all about it. I feel like uh, Justin's uh, vocals were like pretty like distinct like anytime I, I heard anybody listening to your band I, I knew exactly who it was and I didn't even have to ask just because I, I could you know, pick out his voice So I, I definitely appreciate him on That's vocals awesome. um, You guys went on uh, a full US with uh, Roswell kid and super heaven back in the day yeah, yeah. I like. I love that lineup, and especially back then, because uh, I felt like a, a lot of people weren't really exposed to the band Roswell Kid, and I was like, okay, I was like, I feel like that's like a really good mix for like, um, like you know, like kind of like an alternative style, like those three bands. So I, I just want to say, like, I was really stoked yeah. on that tour.
1: Yeah, me too, dude. I loved Roswell Kid. I don't know if they're still a band or not, but like their their vibe and their style. I don't know what you would kind of call their style, but it's super catchy, but like, I don't know, man. They had really cool influences, and they were awesome to tour with. And we obviously love Super Heaven, and we toured with them several times. Mm-hmm. Those are, I think, you know, Super Heaven probably the the band we toured with the most, and we're we're closest to.
0: So, and, uh, did you guys ever have like a formal like uh, announcement of like Diamond breaking up, or do you guys just kind of just like let it kind of fade?
1: Yeah, we just let it kind of fade. and never broke up. We did that. So we did that full U.S. tour. Mm-hmm. um with roswell kid and super heaven and i just kind of hit a wall on that tour where i had been touring a lot at that point for several years and i i don't know kind of hit me at once that i just didn't want to do full u.s tours like that anymore and um yeah it, it's like it's, it's funny because i think we were actually doing better than ever with diamond at that point like that tour went really well for us and we had just put out a record and things were going well yeah but i just i couldn't uh do the the U.S. tour anymore? So yeah, we kind of just wound down at that point, and we like, you know, I think we wrote a little bit more, but for whatever reason, we never really pulled it together to do another record after that.
0: Yeah, which was crazy because I, I was actually um listening to the last record, and Nothing Matters, and I was like, dude, this wasn't a bad record, and I, I feel like you guys had a, a lot of potential, and I just I never really understood why, like it just kind of you know just got left alone
1: it's it's just a lot man like um it's i guess when you we kind of went through the whole cycle with tui like where we started off small and toured for years and years and years and years and like you slowly just get a little more ground on each tour and it's just a lot you know and like um going through that once and then starting over again with diamond it's like kind of the same thing there's not really any shortcuts you know and we did a lot of cool stuff as a band like got to play with awesome bands. Like we played a show with just us and Jimmy world in Baltimore, like stuff like that we got to do. and mm-hmm. um, We were like on the radio for a second in Baltimore. Like we did all this cool stuff. And even with that, you know, it's not like you're able to like shortcut just the, you know, especially when you start to get, we were getting into our late twenties. It's a little bit different, I guess, if you um, are at that level and you're still spending that much time on tour, it's just like can be exhausting. And I, I had just moved to LA around that time and um just like really loving being at home and <laughs> just like, I was like, man, LA is awesome. Like I just want to hike and hang out here and do my thing. And yeah, it's like just going on like a tour in the winter for a month, just kind of doesn't seem super appealing anymore. So I think that was a factor too.
0: And I'm curious, I had no idea that you moved to LA. What brought you out to California?
1: It was literally on a diamond tour where it was just a really hard tour. I forget. Oh, I think we had to have a couple people fill in because turnstile had just started being a band and we had like misscheduled something with Brandon's tour schedule. And we had like fill ins at different points in the tour and it was winter. And I just had like a meltdown on that tour pretty much where I just, I don't know just like the stress of doing the band and like i I was kind of in between moving from baltimore and i thought i was going to move to new york like that was kind of my big plan and i had been living in new york for a month or so and kind of just hadn't really settled in yet and um we played in la at some point on that tour and it was i think it was like at that point march or something and spring was just starting in la and i remember going on a hike there and i was just like oh, like I could literally just move here. I don't have to move to New York. This is awesome. And that's pretty much what did it. After that tour, I kind of like, I went on a hike with my friend and just made my mind up that that was the next move. So that next summer, I think the July of that year, I just moved to LA because I was in between between places and it just, it was the right move for me at the time. And I lived there for like five, I don't live there anymore, but I lived there for five years and then the Bay for uh, almost two after that.
0: That's wild. And, and if, if you don't mind asking, um, why'd you ultimately end up leaving? Because uh, I feel like that's like a big deal to kind of move across the country. And uh, I, I love California. I, I feel like LA is um, an interesting place. It's really nice in certain spots. So I, I was just curious, like um, why'd you end up leaving?
2: Um,
1: Really just, so my wife's family is from the, the Bay Area. Okay. And um, I forget what our like, I guess we just used up there to be closer to her family for a while and try it out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, it was, it was cool. Like we liked it, but um, yeah, we ended up moving. I, I live in Richmond, Virginia now just cause we have a, we have an 11th month, 11 month old now and just super expensive up there. And we like wanted a house and like a yard and stuff to, mm-hmm. you know, play in with him and that sort of thing. So it was really just kind of like having more space. Um, it's just obviously pretty hard to, Have that kind of set up in California unless you're balling. So, um, Uh, yeah. No, trust me. I think that's the main reason.
0: Yeah, no, I I definitely get that. It's like really expensive to live in like the bigger cities. And like right now, like I I live in Orange County and it's like even like really expensive out here. So, like, yeah, I I definitely understand where you're coming from. That's cool. How'd you decide on Richmond? Because you're originally from Baltimore?
2: Yeah,
1: so I grew up like 45 minutes south of Baltimore in a place called PG County, Maryland. And, uh, Richmond has always been like, you know, like we have Jared and T.Y. from Richmond. Like we've always, I've been in Richmond a lot over the last several years. And, um, we have some of our best friends down here that also just had a kid and we like spend time with them at their house and really like the neighborhood. So it was kind of just like, a, you know, we're closer to family here way cheaper here. We have friends here and you know, the way that Baltimore is now, like I don't really have a whole lot of friends there anymore. Just people have moved out over the years. And um, so this actually kind of ended up being a place that made more sense. So, yeah.
0: That's awesome. And at any point did you ever move to New York? Because I know you had that, um, you know, in your mind back in the day.
1: <laughs> no, it was just like my grandma lived in Long Island and uh, she like wasn't in her house anymore at that time. and there's like a month where I would like put my suitcase there and then I'd go and like stay with friends in the city for a week at a time. And I, I had a freelance job. I was doing there for a while and it didn't last long. It was like a month or two maybe.
2: Okay. For sure.
0: Well, that's cool. Well, he's, um, you know, you've gotten all over the U S and, you know, found a nice place in Richmond. And anytime I've ever talked to anybody about Richmond, they always talk about how like, you know, nice it is out there. And I was like, damn, I have to get out there at some point. Cause I've never been to Richmond.
1: Oh, yeah. It's super pleasant, man. It's great. I mean, California was always, like, for me, because I didn't travel when I was younger, really. I didn't travel until I toured, mm-hmm. and that was, like, always to me growing up, like, the, the coolest place in the world, because every band I listened to was from California, and, like, I skateboarded and, you know, obviously skating, and California's a big thing, so I think that was kind of the, that was the arc for me, like, where I had to move there at some point to kind of just, like, experience that, and, I mean, the first time that I even went to california was was on that tour of terror in 2008 and just like it was as awesome as i as i thought it would be like i remember stepping out of our van for the first time and it was like going from like shitty desert weather to just perfect weather and like palm trees and it was like exactly how i imagined it and it kind of always was you know like so i feel like one way or another i, I had to live there for a while but it feels good to be back here you know like everything's Uh, makes more sense to me a little bit on the east coast Mm -hmm. um and it's cool to be close to family because you know we weren't for so long
0: yeah i i definitely get that like all my family lives uh like in the palm spring area or palm springs area which is like two hours from me so like it's like really convenient to get to them if i have to it's it's not that far yeah okay so going all the way back to uh, the early days of tui i was always curious um, how that band came together
1: Yeah, um, so Justice and I were in a couple bands together before that. One was a metalcore band that I started called Carol. Uh, My friend Travis sang in it, and back in those days, there was only like really a couple options to choose from band-wise. Like Justice didn't even like metalcore and didn't really like. I, I think he like we were friends, so he was like in the band, but it's not like he wanted to be in the band really. And then. He had a band called nick fury which is like more of a traditional hardcore band and i didn't really like that either you know it was kind of just like faster kind of like these crew influenced hardcore and that wasn't really my thing and i um their guitar player quit and i joined and like that was kind of just how it was for a few years and uh let's see nick fury kind of wound down in um uh, 2006 but before we did, we were writing a new record with me and the band and kind of had like this idea for what it would sound like. And Justice and I had written songs together for the first time, really. And we really liked it. And the band broke up and we kind of just wanted to keep that going, you know. And so the, the drummer of McFury, Ben, and then me and Justice decided to start a new band. And that's what became TUI. And then we originally, our friend Anton was actually going to sing in the band. Um, justice had never sang in a band before he just played guitar so like the plan was that anton was going to sing and justice would play guitar so like we jammed for months like probably i want to say like six or seven months we spent uh writing like what what became the demo and we just like practiced every week and just would like spend hours working on the songs you know and i think i can't remember when we decided justice would sing but i'm pretty sure it was like kind of Towards the end of that process, so we just played and trying to get Anton to write lyrics and like get ready to record, and I don't think he was. So I want to say that we kind of decided towards the end of that, like last minute, that Justice was going to sing, which was crazy because he had never like no one had ever heard him record vocals before or do vocals in the band. So it was kind of just all a huge wild card, honestly. Um, but yeah, I, I remember we just spent a long time on those songs and kind of getting the vibe down. And then, uh, yeah, I did a demo in 2007. I, I want to say it was kind of earlier in the year, too. I can't remember. Maybe it was, like, February or something. Um And then played our first show. I can't remember, like, how that fell around the time of the demo timeline. But, like, it was all very much, like, last minute. Like, I think we decided on our band name because we needed a band name on the flyer for that first show we played. So it was just, like, a last minute. Like, yeah, I guess we'll go with that, you know? And, uh yeah, I mean, like, the whole thing was very strong together
0: at the beginning. Yeah, that's so crazy to think about now because um, obviously you guys have done so much. So to hear that from like you know, the early days is insane to me. Uh, that you know, Justice wasn't supposed to be on vocals, and you just kind of picked your name last minute. And you know, now uh, every like you know, talk to any hardcore kid these days, they know the band name Trap Under Ice. You still there?
1: Yeah, sorry, you fell off for a second.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I was, I was saying, um, if you talk to any hardcore kids um, these days, like, everybody knows the band named Trapped Under Ice.
1: I know. I, I think that's funny. Like I said, like, we literally had, like, a, a list of three names, I think, and that was just one of them that we just were like, ah, yeah, we'll go with that. And now, like, I've met people that have Trapped Under Ice tattooed on their face.
0: <laughs> on their face? Wow, that's, that's insane.
1: Yeah, I think there's, like, two or three U I face tattooed people. It's insane. I actually I remember playing Chain Reaction in L.A. or Orange County, and uh, one of the people that had it was there, and I like jumped off stage, and I saw him. I was like, "Oh man, like that's awesome! Like, thank you, man. That's so cool." And he was like, "Yeah, cool, man." Like, he like didn't realize that I was in the band. <laughs> 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 like, he thought I just like rolled up to him from the
2: crowd. Oh wow. So,
0: okay,
1: wow. Uh, so maybe not. But I remember thinking for sure he like didn't realize that I was like giving him that from the perspective of someone in the band but, yeah
0: yeah that's crazy I, i, I i've never been a, a a fan of face tattoos so like i have tattoos but like i, I could never I picture myself with one because I've, I've never seen the cool one and i don't think one would look cool on me so i'm just like, yeah I'm, I'm, i'll pass on that <laughs> yeah yeah I'm,
1: I'm with you man um i have like three tattoos it's not I, like always had this vision of having like some something going on like with some kind of sleeves and i just look like kind of like a hick with like three randomly placed tattoos that like don't really make any sense together but yeah i it's crazy like over the years i mean i've seen so many people especially it seems like in the, the midwest people really like face tattoos like we play shows and yeah I mean, people just completely covered in, like their face it's insane
0: yeah it's always weird to me because i remember like growing up and uh, you know wanting tattoos because a lot of my older friends had them but this was back when it wasn't like normal to have tattoos like people still like looked at you like a a weirdo or some sort of troublemaker but now it's just become like so like normal like in like um like you know the society and like you know random moms have like you know full sleeves and it's not even like a big deal anymore. so i was like yeah it's, it's so crazy like how far it's come
1: Especially in Richmond, man. Richmond's such a weird, like, young city. When you go out to anywhere, like, you go to Lowe's or something, half the people you see just have, like, full sleeves. They're, like, they're just, like, 30 years old. Mm -hmm. And I've never, like, it's nothing like that anywhere I've ever lived, where there's, like, so many just young, alternative people. And maybe they're not alternative. Maybe it's just normal to have tattoos now. But it's, it's unlike any other city.
0: That's crazy. Do you ever randomly get spotted by people, like, when you're out in the city?
1: Yeah, the, our, our FedEx, uh, our UPS guy was like, "Oh, something
2: in your Yeah,
0: like,
1: like random stuff like that. Yeah, I think there is more like hardcore people here than uh, than like you know, in California, such a big state. Yeah, you don't really have that. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think there's like just more hardcore people per. You know, like what, what's that word per capita? Like there's yeah. like just more in the total population here for sure.
0: Okay. That's awesome. That's funny. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. The things are like, you know, there's so many people in California, so it, it's not like super common to run into like, you know, people from bands.
1: Yeah, no, I, I lived in Silver Lake in LA, which is like pretty history. Okay. Yeah. And I, I would like, I'll run into people all the time there cause that was like the block where everybody would go. Okay. And I think there's places like that, like where justice lived for a long time. Um, um, Forget the name of it now, but it's like the other place like that that's pretty close by. That oh Highland Park, sorry, and just like everyone, you'll just see people out all the time.
0: Yeah, and that's funny. Is I uh, last time I saw uh, Justice, uh, I, I, I've never like actually like you know had a conversation with him, but I saw him at uh, Coachella Fest because I just saw. Uh, turnstile and I, I was like leaving um, from like backstage and he was like walking to the back and I was like oh and I, I, I got excited because I'm like hell yeah that's the singer of Trapped Under Ice and like I didn't know what to say to him <laughs> so I just yelled Trapped Under Ice and he kind of like looked at me and he was like oh hey thanks and I just like left. <laughs> that's brilliant. awesome. Yeah. I like that. Hell yeah. So um, I I I feel like uh, Trapped in Ice is uh, like a, a really uh, important band for hardcore because in 2009 like you know like the like right before the you know new decade you guys dropped secrets of the world and that's my my favorite ty record i like feel like that one just like for for the time period and uh for for what i think is like just like really important for that style of hardcore and like um for like the newer wave of like hardcore bands at the time uh I, i just feel like that one was like really important and i was just curious if you can talk about um what that record means to you
1: yeah um so when we did our first tour with Terror, I'm obviously referencing the tour a lot because it was pretty formative for, mm-hmm. for me and for us as a band. Okay. It was like a t- like literally two and a half month long tour. And we had never toured like that before. I think, so T.Y. did a tour with Trash Talk like uh, a few months before that, a U.S. tour. And it wasn't as long, it was like a couple weeks and I couldn't do it. I was still in school. Um, our friend Tony B. filled in. And this, like the Terror tour was more of like a, Like, you know, it was like more of a sought out kind of full tour with, you know, more people and just kind of a little bit more, I guess, professional. And uh, we'd never toured with a band like that. Like we were fresh out of playing locally in Baltimore at that point. Really. I don't think T.Y. learned a whole lot in the tour (laughs) of Trash talk. Like it was just like, you know, like total chaos. And, you know, we didn't have any kind of live, um, like we had terrible lives. So like being on that tour, and watching terror every night like they had a set list you know yeah. and they had like good equipment and they they just had it going on you like they had like just they were really good and you know it's just like so cool to see them every night and that started to kind of get the wheel turning for us like oh like it's not okay to suck you know like we just weren't <laughs> like we didn't put any effort into our our live set or like our gear like i didn't have any I just plugged in directly to my amp with like a 15 like foot cable. And that was it. We'd just like play a song and then stop and it'd be complete silence and like feedback and stuff. And like, you know what I mean? Just like kind of really, it's like, just not a good flow to our set. And um, so the drummer of terror, Nick jet on that tour, I remember asking him kind of how they wrote songs. Cause I was just curious and they just put out um, the damn, the shame, which is an awesome record. And just the songs are super good. And like, we just really liked it. It had just come out before that tour and I was asking him and he totally surprised me with the dancer. He kind of told me how he like took it really seriously and like would listen to pop music and like kind of study the structure of the songs and like listen to other types of music and like really was methodical about it. I guess not methodical, but like, it was something that he took seriously. It wasn't just like impulsive writing, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, I was like, dang, man! Like that's so crazy! Like we don't do anything like that. We just like kind of, you know. Because this is before Secrets of the World came out. This is like right after Stay Cold, and uh, that's just you know I, we would just write songs. I don't really know what the criteria was for us back then, but it, it was what it was, you know. But hearing him say that, and like he would demo out songs on his computer, he, like use GarageBand, and that like blew my mind. And he showed me how to use GarageBand on that tour, and so on that tour, I just was like dude, I gotta start, like, really figuring out this, this, like, songwriting stuff, like, I, I wanna get better at it, you know, and we never had, like, a song that repeated a part more than once, you know, like, every song kind of, just, like, went through a series, riffs, and whatever, and it was over, and that was the first time I was like, oh, like, songs that aren't hardcore songs, like, repeat things, and, you know, like, there's, they, like, make more sense, and there's, like, parts that are memorable, and all that, and uh, on that tour, I remember, after he showed me Garage Band, I, like, demoed out the song the song "Believe" that's on secrets of the world like start to finish exactly how it is now on the record like just kind of like trying to figure out how but that was the first song that we had like that where there's like a chorus kind of you know and like a part repeated and i think the reason i'm saying all this is because i think that was an important transition for us going from the style we had and kind of just the way the songs were to i think what made us stand out ultimately was that we had that style that was kind of heavier and harder and whatever, but there was still something there that people could take away from it and remember. And like, you know, it was, I guess people say catchy, people would say PY is kind of catchy. And I think we like, we, we thought about that then like, Oh, like that's a catchy riff or whatever. Like we kind of started thinking more about that than I think before, like how can we make stuff more memorable and, you know, and not for the sake of making it memorable, but just like making it better, you know, like, why have a thousand different like the, the song "Stay Cold"? Like I always write about this with Justice. Has every single fret on the on the guitar from like zero to twelve is used in the song. Like it's just like there's every single note is used. <laughs> Whereas like you know some of our later songs like there'd only be like three or four. Like we'd kind of like strip it down to what we thought was the the best piece of it and just kind of like thinking like that was new and that, I think that really was inspired by Foreign to Terror back then. So. After that tour, I can't remember the timeline between then and when we recorded, but it was, def- it was a time where I just graduated from school, and um, I didn't have a job yet, and I just kind of would write nonstop, and Justice would come over, and we'd write in my room, and yeah, we just, like, threw ourselves into that record, and um, I think that's kind of the, yeah, you know, and there's also me and Justice also, like, kind of listening to new music, too, like when we started TUI I was really I didn't have a great grasp on what the genre was that we were participating in like I I knew of hardcore more as like a tangent to metalcore you know like my, my band is metalcore in high school and there's select hardcore bands I liked, like like mm-hmm. Hatebreed and I had just been exposed to them like when we started TUI basically and then like I knew some Madball songs so I knew of Biohazard and I like liked all those bands. I just didn't like hardcore really at that point because what was popular then was kind of like melodic bands. Yeah. And like faster hardcore, which I still just don't like really like. I like, just wasn't for me. And um, so I think as we kind of progressed as a band, I like listened to more stuff. Like I discovered more bands that I really liked. You know, like Marauder or something like that. Like I, which I like hadn't heard before. We started the band and. You know like just being introduced to more stuff i think helped shape it as well but um yeah so i you know the the timelines to me are pretty hazy but i think something like a year or so after we did that tour i think we did a lot of writing and ended up in the studio the next winter
0: I'm tripping out hearing your process because uh, so th- like, you know, me from outside looking in, I just like look at you. Oh, Sam trapping guitar player of trapped on her eyes. They write cool songs. So I just assumed you're like, you know, super talented from the beginning. Like I, I always just, I imagine you just being like super, you know, structured and had everything together from the start. So I'm hearing you break it down and how you talk to Nick Jett on that tour and, you know, just kind of gaining some knowledge and, um, actually coming up with the process to actually, you know, sit down and take it more serious. Like it, it's, it's like crazy, but like awesome to hear. Cause it's like, uh, seriously, like, I, I, like that record to get to the world. I, I think is like really important, like, you know, um, for me and I'm um, just like for hardcore in general.
1: That's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's funny you think that, cause I mean, I can't emphasize enough how little we knew what we were doing, you know, Mm-hmm. I, I, I i'm not joking when i say I, I really didn't know what hardcore was when we like wrote our demo like it was literally i went to metalcore shows and was in this hardcore band with justice and our friend kenny and a few other people and like it was kind of just like a fun thing mm-hmm. and i would like play solos over their hardcore songs and it was kind of like a joke almost that we did it like it was just fun you know yeah but it wasn't like we sat around listening to like Madball and like AF and all these things We're like yeah let's, let's start a hardcore band that sounds like this or that like there was none of that like Justice is one of his big influences was Crown of Thorns when we started mm-hmm. but like I hadn't heard Crown of Thorns at all like I don't think I heard them until like way later as you know of us being a band so yeah it totally was like I even think that some of the stuff we wrote in the demo I wrote like Um, I don't know if you ever heard we had like this joke band with our friend Anton and I like wrote some of the riffs for that like, I think some of the rest from uh, the song reality unfold actually wrote for that like years before TUI like, when I was 19 or something and had just had no idea like I I guess I'm trying to say that we just didn't really know what we were doing at all and <laughs> yeah it's funny that it worked out how it did
0: yeah and I, and I feel like I'm um, that was like uh, you kind of like put like way more people into it because I feel like you guys like started going on like bigger tours with that first record.
1: Yeah, I think um I mean the terror thing was crazy cuz it's hard to hard to remember the fact that like you know now, like we've done tours and you know everyone's older and like knows people in other bands and other states and stuff but I mean back then we had only ever been in Baltimore really and like mm-hmm. the furthest we played is Virginia. So like it's not like we had some big network of friends. So like we were really just random people from Baltimore at that point and we didn't know like we didn't know people in Richmond it wasn't like now where I feel like hardcore kids kind of like mingle more on you know like Instagram and stuff like that and like have friends around the country like it was I guess it was just different back then but I only knew people in Baltimore and um the terror thing I remember was like I think someone in the band I think it was their bass star at the time Busky posted something about us and I thought that was insane like terror was like the biggest band ever to me at that point and I love them as a, as a band and I had, like, you know, listened to them since I was a teenager, and that was kind of, I think, what segued into that, where he just, like, found it, and next thing, you know, we kind of got, like, asked to be on that tour with them, so, yeah, that was, like, a huge jump for us, because we'd only done tours with, I think by the time we got asked to do that, we had only done, like, an East Coast tour with, like, Steel Nation and Khan of Arabia, which was even crazy for us at the time to do a mm-hmm. tour like that, so, yeah, we didn't have a lot going on before.
0: And I I was always curious, how'd you guys end up on uh, Reaper records?
1: Uh, I can't remember how, um, Kitzel who who runs Reaper records found us. Um, he reached out like really early on, I think after our demo, and then he came to see us one of the first times he played upstate New York. I forget where exactly it was. And he came and he met us at the show and I think he was interested in maybe putting out our next record and he was just like blown away at how bad we were He like watched us play live and he's just like yeah like you guys are like your record's cool man but you guys just like really have to get it together live like it was just a joke pretty much and he was super supportive back then and i think he like saw potential that we didn't see and um yeah i mean we were talking to him super early like you know right after the demo came out if i remember correctly
0: Mm -hmm. okay and uh, when he told you that, like what you guys, you know, had to get it together, like how did that make you feel back then? If you can remember.
1: <laughs> yeah. i had a couple of those moments through the years. I, I think you're just like, I don't know. I, I was never um, the type of person that like prepared for stuff like shows or whatever, like we kind of just our style at that point was we would just roll up like at our set time, basically and like borrow gear and it was kind of just like a shit show like where some bands show up and they have like all this nice gear and they're like at the venue three hours early that wasn't our style at all like it was just kind of a hot mess and then i remember like nick from terror also on that first tour he did kind of scold me like halfway through like we showed up at a show and uh, oh man somewhere in the midwest i forget where and he was just like dude you guys can't keep doing this like it was like a real tour you know like, you guys can't just show up at like doors every night it's a it's, uh-huh. a, it's a joke like you, you guys have to get it together and he's like you know like there has to be someone in the band that's like keeping track of like when you guys are leaving and like what time you're waking up and that that was just like yeah we had a couple moments like that where we kind of like realized we had to get it together
0: yeah that's wild i <laughs> i can't imagine yeah like uh you know like you guys are all like y- younger, and this like all this like you know touring and stuff is like so new to you, and you're just kind of like, all right, like you guys are like kind of like learning as you go, which is like you know pretty crazy to hear.
1: Yeah, man, totally. We, I mean, it's kind of hard to understand now, I guess. Look, but it's like just the, the 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 background you're coming from in Baltimore, you know, like. Baltimore is such a unique place and like our group of friends. Um, like no one took anything too seriously, you know, like even the band, like everything we did, was kind of like, I don't know how to describe it, but everything was kind of a joke almost like, and I, I think um, that kind of came across in what we did, like everything that we did at the band, like the cover of our demo, it's like kind of a joke, you know, like everything is kind of done half serious, half joking. And, yeah. I don't think anyone from Baltimore had it together like that. Like we were, no one was like coming from a background where you like showed up at the show, like three hours before doors and like, you know, had all your gear prepped. Like, I don't know. Like it, it just kind of, we were coming from a pretty disorganized, uh, background.
0: Okay. And, uh, you guys came out with a split back in the day with dirty money. Can you talk about how you guys, uh, Yeah, you know, I'm linked up with that band.
1: Good question. I actually don't really remember. I think um I'm trying to think, I, I want to say that justice had talked to him online or something like that. This is like probably MySpace era. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly can't remember how that came together. That kind of just like materialized and I, I think justice was more involved in kind of putting that together. I mean, we ended up touring with them a few times after that, but in terms of the initial idea, I'm not sure how it came together.
0: Yeah. I, i'm thinking about myspace as you mentioned it and then i don't think that there's ever been like another situation where like somebody just or well not somebody where like the whole community just kind of left the platform and went somewhere else because you think about you know everybody left myspace went to like facebook but now we have uh, twitter instagram snapchat TikTok and and all that. And like, you know, everybody, not everybody, but like, I feel like the communities are all spread out. People have uh, multiple social media apps and it's not just like the one like MySpace was back in the day. And yeah, this is crazy to think about how like how that all just kind of fell apart. because like it was super popular. Everybody had a MySpace. It it was just like a weird time to think about.
1: It was awesome for bands, too. Like, I mean, that was the place that you would release stuff or like where people would hear your band. I remember like back when we were, because I think it was still the main thing when we put out "Stay Cold," and I think that our songs had like hundreds of thousands of plays on MySpace, which is insane to think about now. Like looking back at where we were as a band, uh-huh. like it was pr- it was pretty significant for the time. Um, I do miss that, you know, like having the band pages, especially. That was that was awesome. That nothing's really. Fully substituted that, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, because like I, I feel like everybody was like locked in on on MySpace, and I spend a lot of time jumping from like you know like one band and then looking at their top eight and going like you know from top eight to top eight, just trying to figure yeah, out and find exactly. the music. Yeah. Because like exactly, yeah, yeah. It, it's strange because it, I I have like uh like Spotify is like my like music streaming service, and I I yep. like look at the. The similar artists or i'll like check out the daily mixes that they curate for me and uh, sometimes it hits which is like rare but then most of the time i'm just kind of like why do they put these bands on this mix this is so weird (laughs)
1: yeah yeah i know i do that too like i'll I'll go through related artists and sometimes i'll check who the related artists are for bands that i've been in and kind of just like see what it is and sometimes there's like weird stuff on there but yeah i mean that's definitely how i do it now And uh, I, for sure, just on daily mixes all the time. Like I have, it pretty much just covers the main genres I listen to, which is like punk, uh, like, you know, stuff like Beatles and then like death metal basically. Like those are my three different uh, genres that they provide me. So Mm -hmm. I'll just like pick one of those.
0: Okay, yeah, that's cool. So after uh, Secret of the World, you guys, did like way more shows and tours and stuff, but then you guys put out your next record, Big Kiss Goodnight, which I feel like, okay, TUI was uh, like big from Secrets of the World, but I feel like with Big Kiss Goodnight, you guys just kind of took it to like a whole nother level. Like, yeah, I, I feel like the majority of hardcore was like paying attention, but then um, you guys just kind of took over the whole scene with this next record, and I feel like, uh, like, everybody was paying attention and you guys kind of like blew up i felt like that's like the record like when you mentioned tui that's like most of the time that's the record that people kind of bring up is the big kids good night did you have like any expectations on what that record would become
1: no and i think that um it's also like one thing to think about it now but another to have been there in the moment when the record came out and all that stuff and when it was actually happening, it wasn't really that crazy. Like it, it felt like a pretty natural progression at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like we did a, a, a pretty long U S tour where we headlined after that record came out and those shows weren't that crazy, you know, like they're pretty normal shows for us. It was like, you know, it was an awful awesome tour. It was our, I think our first like big, like full headline tour like that. But, um, I think it was similar to secrets from the world in, in that we, we, of the world and that we just wanted to write the best song that we possibly could. And we spent a lot of time on it. And, uh, we, I think we'd all kind of like done more, you know, since secrets to the world So like, at that point I'd done two diamond records. So I kind of had some different perspective writing and like doing other genres and recording. So that was definitely an influencing factor. And, um, yeah, I think the intention was the same. We just wanted to make the best possible songs. And I think we just had more ideas about how to do that with Big Kiss Goodnight. You know, like we just tried different stuff. Like I remember um, there's a song on there called True Love where we had the idea that we'd st- we'd like write a song based around vocals instead of like the the backing track, like the music first. So I remember like, justice would show me lyrics for that. And like, I wrote a riff around it, like that type of thing, like stuff that we weren't thinking about before. And like, Oh, like this part could be vocally focused. And this part could be like, you know, just this, like, like kind of just thinking of, about more than just, you know, two guitars and drums and bass and vocals at all times. Um Yes. Yeah, so I think we kind of like had a little bit of, new experience musically at that point. And, um, yeah, I mean, expectation wise, I had no idea. Even leaving the studio from Vegas, can I, I remember driving back to, we, we did that in Orange County and I, I remember driving back to LA after and we like listening to the rough mixes in the car. And I was just like, I don't know if this is good. Like, like I was like, it, especially cause rough mixes are just so overwhelming to listen to because like stuff is way too loud or it's like distracting. But, um, yeah, I still, we didn't really know <laughs> how people would react doing that, you know, and mm-hmm. the songs that became the ones that were the most well-received and popular, like, weren't the ones that I expected, like, it's just stuff like that We you just, we didn't really know.
0: Yeah, I was curious, um, you guys use, uh, like, a lot of samples in that record and i just curious, like, what made you guys want to use that stuff from those movies?
1: Um, yeah, it's a lot of, uh, John Waters stuff I think that was really Justice's thing Mm -hmm. Um, he really likes John Waters and it's obviously a big Baltimore thing and that movie's awesome and uh, I'm not sure like what the I don't know that there was like a super intentional theme around that like oh we should have a bunch of samples from this movie but I think just the content of the lyrics with like the the samples kind of synced up well and um, ended up I think we I want to say we even like edited down some of the samples on the record, but it ended up working nicely with the song. So we went for it, but it wasn't like a big uh, premeditated thing.
0: Okay. Well, I always appreciate when, uh, bands like use cool samples, like there's things that like I'm familiar with cause I'm not the best when it comes to like movie references. Like I'll, I'll be hanging out with my friends and they're quoting movies and it goes over my head. And I'm just like, Oh, like I've no idea what the fuck you're talking about. But like when I listen to like, you know, <laughs> something like big kids Good goodnight and I'm like, Oh, like I know exactly where that's from. That's awesome. Like it, it kind of gets me like, a little more excited.
1: That's cool. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm the same way. I don't know any movies or like references really. So, Mm-hmm. yeah i think that was all that was all justice
0: yeah and one of my favorite shows from 2011 I'll, I'll never forget it was uh sound and fury which you guys have played since like the early days which is awesome which i want to touch on later but um 2011 you guys played sound and fury i'll, I'll never forget i was like up front and just enjoying my time and i was just like this set is uh, amazing and i was like I'm, I'm not even gonna mosh i'm just gonna sit here and just enjoy the set and then uh you, i think i'm pretty sure you guys were playing like gemini and i was like I was like, I was like, I can't just stand here. This is gonna be criminal if I don't like, you know, do more. So I remember just like, you know, just going off and just loving that set, just in particular. So like, that's just something that I always like remember from you guys, the Santa Fury 2011
1: set. Yeah, that, that was really fun. I think um, I want to say that that was right after we recorded Big Kiss tonight, uh-huh. and uh, I remember one of the things that stood out to me was so Chad Gilbert that produced that record. Um, I remember him being in the pit for uh we like played a new song off big kiss good night the song jail like we had i don't think we'd played it live before and i remember thinking that was awesome um but yeah that 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 shows i mean dude all the sound and furies we played have been so cool even the one we did a few years ago um like i think we did 2008 2011 and i think that one in 2018 we did it Mm -hmm. Um, they've all they've all been super fun i mean 2008 was probably one of the most formative Shows and like moments for me, as a person.
0: <laughs> so back then, did, did you even know what Sound of Fury was? Because like I, I feel like uh, like those early days of Sound of Fury, uh, like those like that vibe is like a little different from what came like after that.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I guess I'd heard of it. Um, I guess it was newer then. Like I think the mm-hmm. first year was probably like. 2006 or seven uh, 2006 yeah yeah and like up until that point i think the big fests were like posi numbers and health f you know mm-hmm. so th- those are kind of my reference points and i don't think that the significance of sound and fury at least for me in, in baltimore like really was um, apparent back then so i had no idea what it was like i mean part of the reason i said it was formative was just because that was our first we did play with trash talk in california yeah. um again i wasn't there but i don't think it was anything crazy like pretty small diy shows but that to me was really our first like real show in california was Sound and fury and i mean playing a show like that where there's like literally a thousand people you know and at that particular venue is a pretty big kind of like a dome structure with a lot of room and just like that many people watching us and you know, like, just the amount of people singing and pitting and stuff was just, like, totally unreal. Especially because we were halfway through a U.S. tour where we were pretty much playing when doors opened and, like, no yeah. one really watched us.
0: Yeah, kids just standing so like, around.
1: Yeah, it's not like we were super hyped up, like, oh, we're killing it. it and, like, man, it's awesome to be on Tour of Terror and that we get to, like, play on the store even though we're pretty much playing at doors. And, you know, we'd have, like, ten people kind of, like, maybe involved in our set. But I mean, dude, Sound and Fury 7-8 was like a total turning point for us. and I mean, for me, because I had never played a show like that, or like knew that that even existed.
0: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned earlier, you had the conversation with Nick Jett about, you know, songwriting process, and, you know, in the coming years, you guys, you know, would play Bigger Fest, go overseas. Uh, did you kind of just, like, learn to be more professional um, as a band with you know, each new show you guys were playing or did you guys have, kind of have like a sit down and talk about like, Hey, like we're doing more stuff. Like let's be more professional.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean the, the talk that Nick Jett had with me really did change things. He was kind of like, he was, I think the person in terror that was on top of their schedule and like making sure they showed up on time and all that stuff. And I kind of became that person for TUI and I mean justice was uh handling a lot of other other stuff at the time like you know like more general booking and that sort of thing and he was in contact with people about the band but for touring i kind of became the de facto tour manager a little bit and i think with like our live sets we definitely talked about um i think just we were influenced being on that tour just seeing how other people do it and uh that was more of a natural thing i don't think we like sat down and talked about it but just every tour i think we got a little bit better and started to piece together more of a set list and uh got tighter and live over time too i like kind of just figured out how to move around on stage more like i think that's something you really have to get used to you know like the first year or two of us being a band kind of standing around awkwardly and you don't really like know what to do yet and uh just like spending a lot of time on stage practicing doing that you kind of like get more used to it and just like know how to sound good live I guess and like do things that translate better live so I I think that was just purely by doing it so much that we kind of slowly got better I don't think we were ever the greatest live bands especially like I, I mean if you took a live recording of our set it'd probably be you know not that great but I think we like ultimately were able to be a fun band to watch at least and like had energy at the very least um, so I, I think that just took time for us
0: so you guys put out big hits goodnight and then and that was in 2011 fast forward to 2013 you guys play this is hardcore and then that was kind of it you guys went on this hiatus and I I never really knew why I, I still don't know why and I was curious like why'd you guys like make that announcement and why'd you guys go on the hiatus
1: yeah, I think the big reason was we kind of saw at that time that we really had two options and things have changed a lot since then. Mm-hmm. But back then it was I think it was much more normal and expected that hardcore bands kind of did this like career touring thing where you were either that or you weren't, you know? And I think we were feeling the pressure of like becoming one of those bands where like everyone, one of us on tours and we had a, um, I mean, we had, you know, booking agents at different points and record labels at different points and people wanted us to do stuff. People wanted, you know, us different places. And I think we kind of just didn't feel like that was what we wanted to do. You know, like it started to feel too weird and just kind of like not the direction we wanted to head in. Um, and it's changed since then i think you know like if you look at how bands tour now like, you don't see the two and a half month long u.s tour anymore but back then that was still kind of the standard you, bands like turnstile will play like an east coast tour and a west coast tour a couple times a year and like that's it you know mm-hmm. like that just wasn't like that back then and so i think we kind of just had this false choice of like either we're a full-time band or we're not and i think we were getting kind of burnt out on touring at the time and just um, I think, you know, like I was starting to do diamond stuff. Like justice was starting angel dust and Brian was doing turnstile and it wasn't like, there wasn't any like tension or anything in the band. We just kind of like, like, Hey, it's getting kind of weird and not as fun as it used to be. Like, let's take a break instead of, um, instead of like breaking up, there's no reason to break up. You know, we just wanted to like basically tell people that we weren't available for a couple of years. <laughs> because it, you know, I feel like we just had to make that definitive. Um, but yeah, like there's no reason to break up. I don't think there ever would be. So that was, that was really the only reason why there wasn't some big dramatic, like secret or reason. It just kind of seemed to make the most sense at the
2: time.
0: Yeah. I, I, definitely felt you guys at that time, uh, had to, you know, I feel like you guys were like the biggest band in hardcore at the time. And I, I felt like okay, you guys are starting to draw like attention outside of like the genre and I was like, okay, they could be the next, you know, hate breed, terror, knock loose, like, you know, like a band that kinda like transcends and starts doing like, you know, different tours and does put out, you know, um consistently like new music and consistent tours. I, I felt that like that's the direction you guys were headed. And then when you guys announced the hiatus I was like, damn, like that's definitely like because uh you know, like the biggest band of hardcore, like, all right, like we're going to, you know, go away for a bit. And I was like, this is insane. Cause I felt like, you know, you guys were at like the, the, the top of it and like ready to go into like the next, like, you know, level or wherever that is.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Like it's also, it's also hard too to like tour a lot and like have a life outside of touring. You kind of have to do one or the other at a certain point. Like no one wants to employ you when you're on tour six months a year like it's kind of hard to find that setup.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think that was kind of part of the choice then too, is kind of just like if we are going to just be like a touring band and then we just do QI full time, like it's kind of shutting down everything else in our lives, whether that be like working or like doing other bands or like having other things in our lives that we're into. And it just, we just weren't feeling that, you know, it just like, wasn't the right fit for us. Um, so yeah, I think that's all it was. And we, we got to do so much cool stuff. It wasn't like we felt like we were leaving a bunch of things on the table. I mean, we had toured with all of our favorite bands and put out records we were stoked on. And I don't, I don't know, it wasn't to us like the end of something or anything dramatic. Like I said, it's kind of just like, what felt right then. And we're all still, I mean, everyone in the band's my best friend still. And like, we still want to do more music you know i, I think we just kind of have always gravitated towards what felt right and what you know what made sense for all of us so it wasn't really um anything beyond that
0: yeah and I, I always think about these bands that do get bigger and like i feel like there's always this weird like stigma that comes with it it's like oh like um they tour too much or every record sounds the same but it's just like man like you can never please anybody yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah so, Lots so.
1: Of that, was, that, that is a thing though. It's like yeah. you do get into that cycle where it's like, if you want to tour that much, you have to keep putting out records. Mm-hmm. And like, what if you aren't ready to put out a record? Like what if you don't really feel inspired to write a new record? Like then what, you know? So I think that was another thing too, is kind of felt like we were all happy with big kiss goodnight and didn't have like the record behind it that we were ready to put out and that was fine.
0: So you guys go on a hiatus, and there was like a two-year gap. And um, for me, there was the announcement you guys were doing like a three-show run in California, which that was awesome. I was like, hell yeah! Like this uh, band from Baltimore, they're um, coming back, and they're doing three shows in California. I was like, I was like, I love living here. People love coming here, so it's <laughs> a it's a good thing, and. All yeah. uh, never forget. I mean, LA. You guys covered uh, bad seed, which I thought was awesome. And I was curious, um, whose idea was that, and like, where did that come from?
1: Uh, I think that was Justice's idea, but that was something that we had tinkered with for years. I think, like, we had talked about wanting to cover that uh-huh. for a long time because we all. I mean, I heard you talk to Shane about this, like. I mean, justice loves, justice has a bad seed tattoo. I love bad seed when they're, you know, active as a band. And I saw them several times in Baltimore when they were touring. Like they weren't really, Shane mentioned this, like how when they were actually a band, it's not like they were huge or anything. Like I saw them play at an art space in Baltimore with like 20 people there. Yeah. But it was awesome. And, uh, anyways, I mean, like, I love that EP they put out and, uh, that song worldview is just like one of the heaviest songs ever in my opinion, like hardcore songs. I don't know something about it. And um, it's just something like, it just felt like someone needed to play that song again. (laughs) Just because it's so sweet and like such a fun, I mean, dude, like I've been at so many fun shows with them and that song in particular just like would have the craziest response live. So it it was awesome uh, playing
2: it.
0: Yeah, so you guys played it in LA but the next night in Orange County you guys didn't cover it and I was like pretty bummed I was like damn I-, I was looking forward to hearing it again
1: <laughs> I-, I forget why I think that's just like We try to switch it up if we play somewhere close
0: mm-hmm.
1: To like where we were the day before we probably just like subbed it out with something else But yeah,
0: yeah And I-, I always like look back at that show that you guys played in Orange County um, it-, it was like you guys, God's Hate, Lifeless and I forget who else was on the bill, but it, it was one of those um, like weird shows where it was safer to be in the pit than outside the pit because I, I just was remembering <laughs> like, so many people just getting punched like left and right and fights almost like you yeah. know breaking out. But I was like, yeah, it, it was crazy. I was like, yeah, it, it's safer to be moshing than just standing there watching the the band or just like you know trying to not get hit. It, it was insane. It was, it was like a wild night. I'll I'll never forget that show for you guys. Like you know, come back from like the the hiatus.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Those, all those shows were awesome in California. And yeah, sometimes you got to pit to survive.
0: So, yeah. And the two year gap, and you guys came back, uh, you guys just like, were you like ready to just kind of hit the road again? You guys just felt um, refreshed? Uh, it was nice to take that break from TUI because you guys came back and like, you know, uh, were pretty active that year.
1: Yeah. I think we were mostly active because well we did like shows kind of just you know like some west coast shows some east coast shows and then some europe stuff Mm -hmm. just as kind of like our first batch coming back but then i don't think we did a whole lot until we put out heat wave which we wanted to like actually do a little bit touring around so i think that was probably the bulk of our touring that we did post hiatus i guess um but yeah i don't think that like none of us wanted to come back and do full u.s tours again really i think we just wanted to like do little stuff here and there and have it be fun like I, we don't we don't have you know like a manager or a booking agent like justice books our shows so there's not like pressure i mean our heat wave we put out on justice and brendan and our friend dan's label um pop wig like there's there's literally no external influence on what we're doing at all so there wasn't like pressure like oh you guys got to get out there and do this or that, you know, we kind of just did what we wanted with with the band at that point.
0: Uh-huh. And uh, you guys put out Heat Wave, and, and there's a pretty big gap in between Big Kiss Goodnight and Heat Wave. And how do you feel the um, newest record was perceived?
1: Do you receive pretty well? I mean, considering we really didn't do a whole lot promoting it, and it was put out on not like a huge label, you know, uh-huh. Justin Brennan's label that they do themselves. Um, you know, like there's a lot of bands now, like on on Roadrunner, like Turnstile, and like I mean, that really reaches out to people, and like you know, they have a much more like robust <laughs> promotion engine, than, you know, something uh, labeled label like Popwig, and uh it just felt like something very DIY for us, which is what we wanted. So I, I was stoked in the response. You know, like we still, I mean, I think the best you can hope for with any record you put out is couple songs at least become like staples in a live set, you know, and I think we accomplished that. Like, you know, a couple songs of that record um really like kind of stuck around and yeah, I think we'll kind of be like permanent in our set for whatever shows we play in the future. So I mean that record was super fun. Like just writing it and recording it with our friend Arthur. Just like a really kind of um, just the kind of like good memories looking back on that all the way through like it was just a fun record to do and can't say the same for every record we've done you know like the first couple we did like stay Cold and secrets of the world kind of like a dark memory <laughs> like we we're just like recording in the middle of winter in queens and just like you know didn't have a whole lot going on just like kind of broke and um you know versus like heat wave everybody kiss tonight a lot more fun
0: so it's been three years since Heatwave came out. Are you guys working on any new music or are you guys just kind of laying low? Because I know you guys had some um, plans. You guys were supposed to go to Australia, um, Outbreak Fest. I think that's still in the air. I'm not sure if that's um, you has know, been canceled yet. That's canceled. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. I got canceled. Okay. Um, but is there any new music in the works?
1: Yeah. I mean, nothing like crazy, but yeah, like I, we've been very casually writing, um, nothing like we haven't gotten together and jammed or anything, but I'm always, you know, thinking a little stuff and so is justice. So, yeah, I think, um, maybe when we get to hang out in person again or whatever, I think we'll start getting more ideas together, especially since I'm on the East coast now and can see Brendan, but, um, Yeah. I mean, we don't have like some master plan right now to record something by a certain time, but I I think we will do more.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, no, that's definitely awesome to hear because, uh, like from the beginning of the year till now, uh, you know, there were some fests that were announced and I, I was always curious, uh, Cause I didn't see your guys' name on any of the big fest that had been announced, uh, before they all got canceled. So I was always wondering, I was like, I wonder if they're going to pop up at some point during the year and, and, and do something big in the States or are they just going to kind of take the year off?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think it all depends on the coronavirus stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it'd be great to play some shows this year. we were still to do Australia and outbreak fest. Um, so if it's like, if hardcore shows are happening and <laughs> the timing works out then yeah we will but it's not like we're trying to make that happen it's really just for fun
2: yeah
0: yeah it's just like if, if it happens cool if not just like all right let's just keep on moving and you know hopefully get to next year
1: yeah exactly i mean we're not like in a rush to do anything
0: mm-hmm. so what are you doing these days now like do you have any other bands that you're um, playing in besides Ty?
1: Um, not actively. I've had this idea to do a death metal band for like the last year or two and okay. wrote a, uh, a couple songs and I've kind of been working on that for a while and uh, Brendan that's in TUI and Turnstile is going to play drums. That's the plan right now. And we have a very loose plan to record that in his uh, bedroom studio. But that's about it. Like, yeah. Uh, besides like the TUI stuff that we're slowly working on nothing else going on.
0: Okay. And, um, and congratulations on your uh, newer dad. How's the dad life treating you?
1: Awesome, man. I'm just glad we made it here before, uh, the quarantine stuff happened because it's very nice to be here right now. Just like basically just chilling in our neighborhood and have some friends here and, you know, awesome I mean it's like totally it's something that you have no idea what it's like until you do it you know and mm-hmm. um, it's been a pretty big I'd say growing experience for, for me and my wife and uh, definitely learned a lot and our life has changed a lot but you know it's obviously all worth it it's just so crazy like to um, to see how fast <laughs> they change you know and like our son has gone from you know like can't even like move off his back to now he's like basically sprinting not on his feet but, like crawling like you know across the house at an insane speed like you know in a matter of a few months you know it's just stuff like changes so fast it's really cool mm-hmm. and just man like having friends nearby with, with kids on the same age it's it's just fun it's, it's fun to see people kind of become parents and uh Yeah, dude, it's like a whole new chapter and a whole new experience. I'm glad that I've done things like toured because I feel like it prepared me for, you know, kind of a less than ideal um, reality of like being a parent of an infant and like sleeping weird hours and like in weird places and that sort of thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been broken down in the past from just touring and, you know, I'm able to adapt well to those situations. So yeah, it's been awesome.
0: Oh yeah. That, that's cool to hear that, you know, um, tours, you know, in some weird way prepared you to, you know, handle these um, tasks as being a, a new father.
1: Yeah. I think touring changes you a lot. You know, like, I, I think, I guess it could be for better or for worse, but mm-hmm. yeah, like you, um, it's kind of like, I would imagine similar to the, the effect of when you go into like the military and they, like shade your head and they like, put you through boot camp and you kind of like lose your identity almost and get built back up or whatever. Like I think it's almost like that where you just get totally broken down and uh, kind of just like submit yourself to it. And like, yeah, I, I all the things that I had as little quirks, you know, like, Oh, I can't sleep unless it's this way or that way. Or like if people are snoring or talking, like you just, all that goes away, you know, and just get used to all those things. And, sleep in insane circumstances and learn to thrive.
0: Did you find it hard to readjust when you would come home from tour?
1: Yes, I did. I remember, um, I worked at Under Armour in Baltimore, Mm -hmm. like sat at a desk, you know, and, uh, I remember doing like, we do like a two month Europe tour, like being on a bus or something. It'd be like insane tour, like so much fun. Just like the best time of your life and you're like on the move every day going to a new city and all this stuff and then you come home and the next day you just go straight and sit in a desk and it's just like the the bright white lights above you and like everything's moving so slow and like everything just seems so boring and like meaningless when you come back you know yeah and- so back then that was like that's like all i cared about you know like that was it was doing the band you know and like the only place that you wanted to be was really touring. Like you just wanted to play shows and like be with your friends and yeah, coming back was always super weird. Like it took time to adjust.
0: Did your coworkers um, know what you did outside of work?
1: <laughs> yeah. can't remember how like that kind of came to be, but it's like, you know, Under Armour is a very, um, not like alternative people work there, you know? So like, yeah, he'd call me stuff like sam the rock star and shit like that you know like and come by and like pat me on the back and be like sammy here's in a band and you know they're like oh cool man what do you do like play bars
2: i'm like yeah totally and they're like
1: cool like where, whereabouts i'm like oh yeah like we play the maryland circuit you know play a little bit of virginia and, and like oh man hell yeah like just like that kind of vibe
0: and so yeah because i
1: remember I... one time go ahead. go ahead i remember one time my manager put. Uh, we had like a speaker system that like went throughout the entire floor mm-hmm. of our, of our building. And he thought it'd be funny to put on a TY song oh, and man. like put on um, the song Evelyn off our demo, which just like, isn't a good recording. And at this point, like everyone knew I was in the band and like toured a lot and stuff. And it's just like, he put it on, everyone's like, Oh, like, what is this? And he's like, this is Sam's band. And just like, <laughs> it was just like horrifying. So yeah, it was, it was weird it never like it's not like living in la and you're in a band and like, cool like what's your band sound like it's, yeah. it's just like totally the opposite of what people understand and are, are used to so yeah it was always kind of weird going back and people asking about it
0: that's crazy yeah i i, I always uh, find it troubling when people ask like like what hardcore is and i'm just kind of like I'm just like, oh, I can't really explain it. So, like, I was just at, I was just asking if they know what hate breed is. And if they say, yeah, I'm like, cool, that's hardcore. And bye. <laughs> I <laughs> just, like, want to get out of this conversation so fast. Because it's just, like, obviously, like, I've been a part of it for a long time. But it's just something you kind of just have to know. I, I, I can't just, like, go and explain to you, like, what, like, the whole, like, culture means in just a couple senses.
1: Right. But. I know, yeah. And people seem to know, like, about the word hardcore. Mm-hmm. Like, if you say that you're in a hardcore band, oh, yeah, like yelling you're like yeah exactly but you're right i mean what makes it special obviously is like the the kind of cultural aspect of it and that's just something that it's really hard to describe and i mean it just doesn't make sense to people especially like if you're talking to like a 50 year old coworker, like you, you can't explain it
0: yeah because it just doesn't they just don't get it they just think it's like some weird form of rock <laughs> yeah exactly that's crazy. Do you ever trip out? Uh, you know, you starting this uh, band, Trep to Rise, and then you guys kind of get as big as you are now.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I guess what trips me out is like the group of friends that I was in the band with, like Brendan, Justice, you know, like people that we, like, I've known Justice since I was, since I was 15, and Brendan since he was like, he was 15 and I think I was like 19 or mm-hmm. that. and it's just crazy because like I can't emphasize enough how, how much like Baltimore wasn't really a cool city necessarily like on everyone's radar back then it's not like we were people that everybody knew Baltimore's like a weird place you know I had a very unique hardcore scene and culture and it, it is trippy to me that you know like we did as much as we did like Turner style has done as much as they have and like it's just the kind of same weird group of people from Baltimore. It's not like LA where you go to shows and there's like a famous person there and it's cool. And like, everyone thinks hardcore is cool. Like hardcore for us growing up in Baltimore, was like, you know, much different than that. And there was, you know, like 15 people in a like a bar that's like underground and just like 300 pound men, like swinging around violently. And just like, you know, it's, the vibe is just so different and like the culture there is so different. So for our bands to do what they did and to kind of come from that background where I don't think any of us ever, I didn't, I didn't expect Traffic and rice to ever play outside of like Maryland or Virginia, you know? So it is weird to think about that. Cause yeah. Like, I mean, it's just a really kind of like Baltimore is just a super unique place and there's not really much precedent for it either. You know, it's not like there's a bunch of big bands coming out of Baltimore or anything like that. It's not like, you know, like LA or New York or something. So there are great bands from Baltimore, like stout next step up, you know, but it's not like, um, bands that were touring a lot, especially in our generation. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny,
2: man.
0: Yeah. But I feel like you guys kind of, you know, showed like probably the, the younger kids that it is possible from your area. Cause if you look at Baltimore now, there's, awesome bands that are from there like you know I'm talking about like the younger bands bands like um, End it adrenaline Queensway yeah so so it's something cool to see like I, cause I feel like you guys probably had like a you know like some sort of impact on you know th- those kids
1: yeah I mean that'd be awesome I, I hope so like it, it wasn't um, it was weird like I feel like our generation like people my age in like justice's age. Like, I feel like that was kind of a wave of people that went through. Mm -hmm. And I think those people like kind of went all the way through and like ultimately kind of moved away and stuff. And there definitely is, you know, like it's been about 10 years or more since that. And I feel like there's like, there is like kind of a younger generation of people and it is awesome. I mean, I remember going to shows for the first time and seeing the dudes at the shows there that were like our age and thinking they were old and cool. You know and like kind of like these mythological characters back then you know like you go to the show and you'd want to see like ed lock and butt crack and like jersey mike Like, there's like always people that you thought were just so cool and uh you know kind of like inspired you and it's cool that there is that kind of newer wave of people now that we didn't have any crossover with you know that are still doing new bands there it's awesome
0: oh yeah Well, Sam, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on the podcast. I I know you mentioned you don't do these things that often. So I was just happy that you're willing to come on here and talk to me. Like, I I definitely appreciate it.
1: Oh, my pleasure, man.
0: And before we sign off, is there anything you want to shout out or plug?
1: Thanks for having me on, man. Like I said, super fun. And, um, your podcast is awesome. I kind of checked out the people you're having on and it's, it's cool what you're doing, man. Like I, I saw, you, saw, uh, saw you had Ethan from Still Nation on. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're like bring, bringing light to bands that like not everybody these days might know about. And I think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: All right. Well, seriously, thank you again. Thank you guys for listening. This has been another episode of the Jamie RK Podcast. Always on top.